If you were to go diving almost anywhere in the shallows of an Indo-Pacific ocean, there's a good chance you'll find a moray eel stationed in one of the porous holes left in the rocky coral reefs. Looking like a cross between a snake, a dragon, and a cartoon witch, the moray eel poses little threat to humans, but is a menace to reef fish. With an unusual jaw that you might find in a painting by H.R. Geiger, the moray may seem a little unhinged when he eats, but getting a good grip on your prey is the best way to catch a slippery fish here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a sci-fi fish with some grumpy gills, but more on that later. Very sci-fi. The, Specifically sci-fi. Uh, the gills, per se, are not grumpy themselves, but this is a you know aggressive creature. He looks grumpy. Yeah, he looks grumpy for sure. And he has gills. Pretty grumpy. So yeah, hey Mr. Grumpy Gills, <laughs> before we get started, I wanted to talk about quickly something I did last week, which was an awesome animal adventure. Oh. It actually technically wasn't an animal, um, but we, uh, Bibby and I went kayaking in uh, brackish water down in Titusville, Florida, and there is a bioluminescent plankton that lives there, just billions of these things and if it's dark enough you can see them light up as you disturb the water so you you know you dip your paddle in the water and suddenly it starts to glow with this bright smoke like you're a disney princess yeah 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 and guess what if there were fish jumping out of the water everywhere and and birds flying overhead it was yeah it really was there was a raccoon we saw it was i Whenever I sang, things came to my boat. Did you kiss, dear girl? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that movie, we're about to do the one of the main one of the main antagonists. That's true. The main but antagonist. Yeah, I, that's right. I uh, I'll re- I recommend the uh, bioluminescent kayaking tour to anyone who's close to Titusville. I definitely want to or, do that one day. It's super cool, and the best time to go is when it's as dark as possible in the middle of summer. Hmm. Interesting. All right, let's taxonomize Ursula. <laughs> or Ursula's um, lackeys. Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what are their names? Flotsam and Jetsam. That's right. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought they had sold their house and lied about it and then were killed by the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, Ursula's lackeys, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Just any duo is is these guys. Well, what what animal are we doing, Joe? We're doing the moray eel, and not just any moray eel, the giant moray. Yes, which I think is what's in the Little Mermaid movie, the giant one, because of how just how big they are. They're big boys, Butch and Sundance. Mm. <laughs> But uh, we're gonna call them the the we're gonna yeah like you said we're gonna talk about moray eels in general but yeah the giant moray eel is um, is kind of you know the archetypical eel like shape and color and everything so um, we're gonna call it the uh, the verdant fish dragon uh, the perfect organism uh, 
And that's Amore. <laughs> I was going to make that joke when the, when we got to this, the description. I was going to say, it looks like when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's Amore, yeah. yeah, for sure. When a dangerous fish thinks you'll make a good dish, that's Amore. <laughs> but yeah, let's... Uh, okay, well, it's in the kingdom you know, love, and are in. The kingdom, Anomalia. It's in the phylum, Chordata. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's in the class Actinoptergy, the bony fish. The the bony fish. <laughs> As opposed to the cartilaginous fish, like sharks. Exactly. It's in the order Anguilliformes or Anguil- Anguilliforms? Formies, for sure. Formies? Anguilliformes. Formies? Okay. <laughs> From was. Uh, and then the family is Muranidae. There's a lot of vowels in this one. Yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, no. I was looking at the suborder. What is the suborder? An ultimate one with, with lettuce and tomato? <laughs> it's the Crunchwrap Supreme. Um, it's it's kind of it's very similar to what you just said, but with more vowels. Interesting. <laughs> so it's Merengue. Mer- 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 Oi. Day. Yeah, it's Merengue. Wow, that's a good one. And by that, I uh, mean it's, uh, it's a travesty of language. Uh, the genus, uh, gymnothorax or gymnothorax. I like gymnothorax. It's uh, does a lot of abs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's in the species, uh, Javanicus or Havanicus. Do you think? I I think it's uh like Java. Okay. Because it's because of where it lives. Gymnothorax Javanicus. Gymnothorax. Javonicus. I like it. Well, since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. And that favorite part of the show is the one and only Critter Groups. During this part of the show, I asked Joe a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? And we're talking about eels. So what is the term of venery or the collective noun of a group of eels? If you saw some eels just being eels somewhere, would you say, hey, look at that writhe, A, of eels? So it's A, writhe, B, bed of eels, C, spat of eels, or D, den of eels? Writhe is very sensical. And sensual. (laughs) It is indeed. I'm going to go with den final answer d for den d for den um incorrect you should have gone with b for bed okay it's a bed of eels a bed of eels and a bed of clams yeah it is a bed of clams also den i i thought would get you just because they well they like to live in those little caves so gotcha gotcha yeah it's really (laughs) i i can never tell if i should go with the like the nonsense one or the one that makes sense, because they've done both. So. You just have to think of what the eels want. <laughs> yeah. But we've done eels before, even though we haven't done eels before. This is technically our first eel. But we did the electric eel, which was not an eel, but instead a knife of knife fish. Interesting. But this is an eel. This is a true eel, yes. If you've never seen a moray, would you like me to describe it? I would like you to describe amore to me. What what is what is love in Italian? It is uh, a really long fish. 
<laughs> Love is a really long fish. <laughs> uh, with a snake-like body. Uh, they have dorsal and anal fins that run the length of their bodies. So it's like it's like a a snake with two fins on its top and bottom that are very long across mm-hmm. it, along the length. It's hard to say a long fin and not conjure images of like the sunfish. Yeah, or a sailfish. It's not long in that direction. <laughs> uh, giant mores, these particular ones, come in greenish-gray to brown colors. Young eels can be tan, while adults have black speckles or leopard prints on their backs. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. Johanna would love it. She likes leopard print. Really? She does. You should get her an eel. She'd love it. She hates all pets. Well, she doesn't hate pets, but she doesn't want any. Well, then an eel is... Probably not something she's going to want. No, because you have to have a salt tank. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Plus, their gills are small and circular. (laughs) That's not a (laughs) negative or a positive. It's just a fact. Uh, (laughs) They also have no scales. They are the scaleless. And their skin is covered in mucus. Yum. Kind of like the electric eel. But that brings me to the only other dimension we haven't talked about, and that's their size. So what is the size? I'll tell you. Tell us so we can move on. I'll tell you with the interesting segment I like to call Measure Up. Uh, Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show where we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Terms and conditions may apply. We don't have any new Measure Up intros, I don't think. No. as, As far as I... uh, looked the last time but that means we get to hear from an animal and carlos will guess what it is can't wait okay without further ado the listener's favorite part of the show did you hear that kind of would you like to hear it again sure I said sure. I'm doing it. It's loading. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let you say the options because last time there have been a lot of times where I've just said what I think it is and then you just include it into the options. Uh, I write down the th- four options every time. Uh, a is squirrel. Is it B, a crow? Is it C, a heron? Or is it D, a baby bear? What was the what was your initial thought? Um, young elephant seal. <laughs> Good guess. Yeah, either that or a heron. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I don't. I, I guess herons. I'm gonna go with heron. Uh, it's a good. It's a good guess. Um, the crows. I included crows and crows and baby bears should just be in all. All of these as a category because they, they can make, can make a, lot, make of a lot of different sounds. But heron, final answer. Yes. That's correct. That's a heron. Yeah. It's a great blue heron. I didn't know they made noises, but I I guess they have to like do a mating call or something like Lots that. Lots of things make noises. Um, uh, Johanna and I have been, have been watching this show, and Jesse, have been watching this show alone. It was on the History Channel. Now it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's like 
people go out into the wilderness and like basically just film themselves trying to survive in Vancouver Island. And mm-hmm. every time there's a bear, everyone is like, what is that sound? Like the, there's like a, a mother with young bears and baby bears make the most hellish sounds. <laughs> like, well, it's like, it's like a cat in, in heat. There was a woman listening to birds and then all of a sudden you hear like just this like guttural scream that sounds like something straight out of the walking dead. And she's like, what is that? And she walks and she sees like a baby bear across this bay. And she, and it's just like, if you're out there and you hear that, you're like, that's the Wendigo. That's the full on (laughs) Wendigo. Well, it's interesting. They didn't include these hellish screams into Disney's Disney nature's bears (laughs) or Disney's uh, brother bear. Brother Bear, yeah, there's very few hellish screams in that movie. <laughs> uh, let's get into it with length. The giant moray is the longest in its family at three meters or 9.8 feet. How many moray eels go into the longest ever sushi roll? Would you like a hint? Um, so here's a hint. The, the record was achieved in Tamana Kamamoto. Kumamoto, Japan. Uh, you n- nailed it. In November of 2016, the role was created with the help of almost 400 people. I wonder if it's like long and thin or enormous. So I saw a video of the record. I think it was in 2011, but it's been broken by this one. Uh, that one like was a regular size sushi. But it was like in terms of like if you cut it up, you're going to eat a regular piece of sh- sushi, but it's just extremely long. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 800 feet. 800 feet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think that 400 people stood side by side and worked on two feet worth of sushi roll. Now, I'm not sure that 400 people <laughs> rolled the sushi or because uh, it just said. No, they did. Okay. Um, that's what's that's the that's l- l- literally the only mental mental anchor I have. Okay, dokie. Um, wait, 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 wait. So the answer is eighty. About. So we'll say 80, 85. 85 eels. Final answer. Yeah. Yes. 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 The correct answer is nine hundred and fifty-two point three eels. Oh my. The roll was 2,844 meters or 9,332 feet. What? What? So, like, they put it all on this, like, bamboo, really long bamboo. You know how they roll sushi, right? With these, like... I don't. You put it on, like, this, like, bamboo mat, and then you roll the mat so that the the rice and the sea seaweed roll over. So Yeah, but this is really two miles one. worth of bamboo. I'm more I, impressed by I, the bamboo. I really wanted to see a video of this, but I could only find the old one. Uh but it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. I copied and pasted the length into it. It seems incredible to me, but yeah. That is that now it's now I feel like 400 people is not enough. Yeah, I don't know because I feel like the I feel like the sushi would go bad before you were done. <laughs> it, it didn't have meat in it. It had like it, it, some sort of pickled vegetable. 
Oh, I didn't know that sushi could have things other than fish in it. I mean, I I mean, I I know it has things other than fish, but I didn't know you could have sushi without fish. Guinness Guinness record pages are so they only tell you the like the record facts. They don't tell you anything else. So it it said some it said something to the effect of it was made with. So that doesn't mean it didn't have fish in it, but it didn't mention fish. It just also maybe it could be saying it was made with this in addition to fish that were of course we're not going to mention that of course it's made with fish uh, the guinness book of world records pages are very sparse but there's so many of them so interesting that is a lot of sushi it is let's talk about weight there are 30 kilograms or 66 pounds it's pretty big pretty mm-hmm. pretty hefty for a fish uh, how many krill go into the weight of a giant moray? Krill, huh? Yeah, you hear about krill all the time. Let's talk about krill. Nobody's talking about krill well, these days. Here's a hint. Let's talk about krill a little bit. Krill are shrimp-like crustaceans that are a big part of the diet of whales, uh, seals, squid, ice fish, and penguins. It's crazy that's that the biggest animals in the world eat some of the smallest things. it's like you'd think that the blue whale and the right whale and the humpback whale would be designed to eat like orcas or something like that guess what krill eat plankton plankton if there was ever some sort of disease that killed plankton the ocean would be done yeah (laughs) i mean if you've ever i took a marine biology class in high school as an elective and uh yeah it always starts with the plankton without that there's pretty much nothing in the ocean but then again plankton isn't like a one specific thing it just it's something very small that flows with the tides i mean it's there's it's plant it's plankton ocean pl- and animal yeah. plankton yeah zooplankton phytoplankton and zooplankton mm-hmm. but that's that saying that like if you got rid of plankton there would be nothing in the ocean would be like saying if you got rid of plants on earth yeah <laughs> you there would be nothing nothing else it's like yeah i guess i mean everything kind of goes back to the plants but which I guess is um, why bees are so important, because they help us get plants. And more plants. Um, oh, those things are really small. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make the, 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 the just fatal decision and say that they weigh an ounce. <laughs> or fine, I'll say that they weigh one quarter of an ounce. If only you knew grams. Which means that 64 of them go into a pound. And this guy's 66 pounds. So it's 66 times 64. 4,224, give or take a few. I did that whole thing in my head. Just kidding, I didn't. Um, 4,224. That's my final answer. Uh, the correct answer is 15,000. Oh. Krill are two grams or 0.071 ounces. Even if I knew grams, it wouldn't help because I... Poor, I've never held krill before. <laughs> or is what is that? A thousand snowflakes? A thousand snowflakes make a two two milligrams? Is that how it works? Is that the metric system? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that an ounce is huge. <laughs> really heavy. <laughs> uh, it's like I can work out with an ounce. <laughs> what, would you, are you ready to hear some fast facts? Yeah. Uh, giant morays are widely distributed throughout the ocean, as with many ocean things, especially in the Indo-Pacific 
Oceans. Uh, they can be found uh, on the coast of Africa, the Red Sea, Polynesia, Japan, Fiji, and lots of other places. They, like me and mermaids and lots of things, enjoy lagoons. (laughs) (laughs) They also like coral reefs and pretty much anywhere they can find little crevices to hide in. They can be found anywhere between 1 and 50 meters deep. They are carnivorous, hunting prey mostly at night, so they're nocturnal. Sometimes they hunt cooperatively with other fish, specifically the roving coral grouper. This particular grouper hunts in open water near reefs. Reeves? Christopher Reeves? Reeves. <laughs> uh, I only hunt if when Superman's in the house. Yeah, so they, they hunt in open water near reefs. Eel scare prey out of cover. While grouper do the opposite, scaring prey into cover. So whatever one of them doesn't catch, the other one gets. It's just a, it's a catch 22 for the fish. Yeah, it's a fish eat fish world. It is. They often hunt by ambushing, uh, by striking from the cover of the reef. Their long bodies are adapted for life in reefs. And and in between rocks where they can slip through small spaces aided by their slimy bodies. Uh, they eat crustaceans uh, sometimes, but mostly fish, with strong jaws that are designed for catching and munching on quick prey. Uh, moray eels are natural predators of the lionfish, which is significant for Florida waters where mm-hmm. the invasive fish is wreaking havoc uh, unchecked. We for a long time we thought they had no natural predators in Florida waters, but hopefully some moray eels can be the heroes we need and the well, heroes mo- we deserve. <laughs> mores aren't native to Florida waters either. Well, giant mores aren't, but are other mores? Do all mores eat lionfish? Because some of them are small. That's true. I don't. I can't imagine the smaller ones being able to kill a again. A lion we're fish. just gonna have to have a giant moray do a TED talk for the ones that live in the Atlantic and how to <laughs> kill and eat lionfish. How how to 10x your lionfish uh, <laughs> consumption? How to TEDx your lionfish? TEDx. <laughs> uh, it is a fish eat fish world out there, and it's surprising that that's not the saying. And instead, it's dog eat dog when dogs, even wild ones, don't tend to eat other dogs. I guess a fish eat fish world is like, yeah, that's normal. But a dog eat dog world is like things are brutal out there. Things are not as they should be. But it's always said in a matter of fact way, like it's a dog eat dog world out there. It's never not a dog eat dog world. That's it's true. just like, hey, wake up the and smell the roses. The world is brutal, but like dogs don't eat dogs. It's like it's like saying sweating like a pig. They don't sweat. Hmm. Or sleeping like a baby. They don't sleep. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's a, I guess it's ironic. But then you might as well say like an elephant eat elephant world because like that would be very them. disturbing. Yeah, that would that would be extremely disturbing. And they else? don't even eat meat. <laughs> exactly. That's, well, that's why it's impossible. Okay. So, last thing. Because of something called biomagnification, eels may be hazardous to, to humans when consumed. Biomagnification hmm. happens when toxins like pesticides and foodborne illnesses like 
Cigar Cigatera. It's a bad illness, apparently. That sounds that sounds really bad. Found in food. Uh, animals are high on the food. Animals that are high on the food chain eat things that eat things that eat things which have these toxins in their body. Uh, so top predators have a compounding effect of these toxins because the food you eat ate food that ate food and all three of those things had these toxins. So you're at the top of the food chain, that animal is going to have the most toxins uh, hmm. of all the, all, of all the levels of the chain. So, so then sharks should be pretty toxic. They probably are. Uh, but we don't normally eat to- uh, sharks. So top fins. Uh, top predators often have enough toxins to make people sh- sick. Uh, other fish that that can be harmful include tuna. Really? And the same thing is like there's like mercury poisoning from certain fish, or like high levels of mercury. I think it's the same same principle of this biomagnification situation. Huh. I think. So other fish, uh, well, the livers of these animals are particularly dangerous. So if you're going to eat a tuna, if you're going to eat an eel, don't eat the liver and cook it really good. I try to find like, can you cook away cigaretera or pesticides? But I'm not really sure. Remember we were talking about the Greenland shark and how it's um, toxic, but people in um, Scandinavia and stuff like that, they have there's a special way to cook it so that you can eat it without getting sick yeah so maybe 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 there's a technique i wonder if you can raise farm raised um eels and stuff and not have that problem yeah you'll but you'll probably have a better time farm raising some other fish tuna yeah like tuna (laughs) those things can get huge yeah i watched a really satisfying video of these sushi chefs like making sushi out of this huge uh, tuna and they're they had like swords for their like cutting implements that's the only way to do it (laughs) all right that's all i got all right it's time for the major fact so mores have a unique way of getting a grip on life so they mostly eat uh, fish and cephalopods and little crustaceans and mollusks and things like that. Um, but most of their food is slippery and fast, like fish and cephalopods, uh, which can be a problem for an ambush predator like the moray. Uh, so when a tasty morsel swims by, it strikes at it with its fierce jaws that are able to crush bone. But it also has a secret weapon. It has a second, smaller set of jaws that are located just behind the first major pair of jaws. And these secondary jaws, called pharyngeal jaws, I thought it was pharyngeal, but the the National Geographic video said pharyngeal, so we're going to go with that. Um, These jaws, they rest at the top of the eel's throat, and they shoot out. To grasp the the prey that's already clutched in the main oral jaws, and then they retract and drag the prey into the throat hole. Um, and so this is why we you heard in the intro uh, that this is like 
a, a sci-fi animal because um, if you've ever seen the movie Alien, um, the alien, just the just a great name for the alien. <laughs> well, it's called um, the xenomorph. Yeah, they don't call it that in the movie though. Um, I think they do. Maybe not do in the they? first one. Yeah, maybe know. later on. But the, anyway, the alien has these regular jaws that are scary enough, but then it opens his mouth and a second pair of tiny mini jaws come out and uh, and will kill people. But um, And it's weird how it uses it. It doesn't use it to grasp. It uses it to like punch, punch through. through. Yeah. Um, but the... But it's it's a really similar thing um, with the moray eel. Even though the the pharyngeal jaws don't extend out past the uh, the oral jaws very very far. So the 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 moray eel is not the only one with the pharyngeal jaws. A lot of fish have them, but they are the only ones that can extend them out enough to capture prey. But the question is why why do they need these these jaws? You know, a lot of other fish. Sharks, barracudas, groupers, they seem to have no problem eating slippery smackerels of fish without the help of a xenomouth. <laughs> so the understanding behind this is the fact that most other fish swallow their prey by sucking water in with negative pressure like a vacuum. So all they need to do is expand their mouths and throats and that makes that forces water to, to rush in. And whatever prey that was floating in front of their mouths is now suddenly inside their stomach, or at least in their jaws. Um, but the moray eel can't create this vacuum. So it has no way of actually swallowing food, even once it has it in its mouth. So instead, the moray sacrifices suction power for speed and accuracy when striking. So when, when anything moves underwater... Uh, it displaces the water around it, usually in all directions. Um, but you can reduce how much water you displace in certain directions, and that's how things are like hydrodynamic. Um, so if you were to try to, if you were to go underwater in a pool and try to punch a like something like a ball or something suspended underwater, you would actually move the ball before your fist ever ever reached it. It's like punching the, underwater. You never hit what you're trying for. Dash John Mayer. <laughs> John I, don't remember, lyric. I don't remember that lyric in, anyway i already know any that of my favorite songs i already know that fact because john mayer taught me <laughs> he, he, also, the... he also told me that your body is a wonderland so i know that fact as well uh scientifically <laughs> for a wonderland for bacteria yeah 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 um but yeah you you went to the hydrodynamic school of John Mayer. Um, but yeah, so like I said, if you, you're going to move the ball with the water that you're pushing in ahead of your fist before your fist ever hits it. And so that lack of precision is a problem for an animal that's all about precision, like a quick, fast strike. Um, if it pushes the, if it's pushing water in front of it, when it goes for a crab or a, or a small, um, like cuttlefish or something like that, uh, it might miss and then the the animal gets away and it's the the eel doesn't chase its prey so once it if it misses it it misses and can't eat that animal anymore um, unless it comes back around so it has to be able to hit when it strikes so the way it does this is 
it has these, its gills are small and circular and face kind of behind it. And it lets water flow through its open mouth and through the gills as it strikes, which streamlines the eel's head and significantly reduces the amount of water it's pushing forward when it strikes. So that allows it to get, be pretty accurate when it and and fast when it's uh, when it's striking its prey. But now that it has its prey in its mouth, it doesn't the 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 fact that the gills are like this make it so that it can't suck in the the prey into further into its uh, throat and stomach. So enter the junior jaws. <laughs> These the the pharyngeal jaws come out, grab the prey, still alive and kicking, and bring it into its uh, into its throat for it to die slowly. It it's the only animal on earth that does this. Yeah, only animal on earth that uses uh, pharyngeal jaws to latch onto and drag prey further into its mouth. Other animals the, have the ph- they should just be jaws called pharyngeal jaws. Pharyngeal. Because they they're the only ones that got them. No, no. Other animals have pharyngeal jaws. Oh, but these um, can be extended out in order to capture prey. Other animals have pharyngeal jaws uh, that that help prey stay in, but they're they're not um, mobile. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Oh, I see. So that's uh that's the that's the moray eel, and all moray eels can do that. Not just the giant moray eel, but um, the giant moray eel does it giantly. Yeah, he does it on the he does it the most, <laughs> the biggest. Um, he does it the biggest, <laughs> and they only found out about this about um, like thirty thirty ish years ago. Um, and they even more no no wait, ten years ago. Sorry, um, it was ten years ago that they discovered that they have these uh, backup jaws. And only very recently did they figure out uh, about this whole hydrodynamic thing that uh, corresponds with it. The the eels invented it uh, when they tried to eat the same snack twice. What? <laughs> Have you heard the meme that's going around that was like... No, I haven't heard the meme that's going <laughs> around Joe. <laughs> the, the meme is like uh, running was invented when Thomas running... Uh, tried to walk twice. That's that's not a good joke. It's very good. It, it's a non sequitur. It makes it's or what is it? I don't know. It's it's ridiculous, is what it is. So ridiculous, it just might work. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess I gotta get. I gotta brush up on my my memes. Um. Do we still do rage comics? <laughs> Uh, no. That's, uh, gone by the wayside, actually. Sometimes you'll see those little faces pop up, though. I like, uh, uh what's the new one? Bad Luck Brian. That's, that's the, that's my, that's the good one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we've come such a, such a long that way. That guy's all meme, grown up now. Culture. That's a full-grown adult now. <laughs> Bad Luck Brian probably has a beard. And he probably has regular luck. Yeah, he probably, is, he's probably graduated to some, some, uh, at least mediocre luck. <laughs> um, so that's the moray eel, the giant moray eel, but moray eels in general. So for you out there in Podcastia, stay in your den. Keep an eye out for food and danger. 
and always make sure to take advantage of your secondary pharyngeal jaw when feeding like the moray eel here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey everyone, Carlos here. We need your help to get the word out about our podcast so that more people can be taxonomically titillated on a weekly basis. You can help us out by connecting with us on Twitter and Facebook, telling everyone you know about all the interesting animal info you now possess, and leaving a review for us on your favorite podcasting app. We love to hear from you, and you can also let us know if there's an animal you'd like us to cover in the coming weeks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs>Puritan 10 times is scary. <laughs> Puritan 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was back in the good old year of Puritan 10. <laughs> Puritan 10, 12. The, the war of Puritan 12. <laughs> Puritan. <laughs>